It is a real joy to be here with you uh, this morning. Justin and Susan, we were, had dinner with them about a week ago when we were remarking how we've known each other. We, I think we met them at a Bible study. Well, I know we met them at a Bible study with a church called Christ Covenant in Charlotte. And I think Eliza and I had been married less than two... Well, we'd been married about two weeks, probably two and a half weeks when we met the Kendricks. And they had been married, I think... Y'all got married like two weeks before we did, I think. So they'd been married about a month. We had been married about half of that time. And uh, we've known them since, so about uh, 16 years now. And they are uh, dear friends. Uh, I would ask you, if you have a Bible, to open it up to John chapter 6 for our scripture this morning. Obviously, you can find uh, the text in the bulletin as well. Before I read the text, uh, let me just share a little bit here with you as a, maybe as a means of introduction. It was about uh, three years ago that for the very first time, uh, I went turkey hunting. And um, the ex- let's just say that the experience of going turkey hunting, it aroused a, a hunger in me. And that spring, this was 2008, that spring I only went once. Uh, but since then, every spring, essentially the month of April is when uh, turkey season is, ever since then it's been probably between five and ten times that I go turkey hunting. You know, it's to the point now where when May arrives, I sort of, I half wonder what am I going to do to pass the time for the next 11 months until next April when, when the turkey season opens uh, again. Uh, now, you may not hunt, okay, but all of us in here have some sort of hobby, we have some sort of interest that um, I think helps, you, helps us introduce this text because you know how that hobby or that, how that interest gives you a taste for something uh, that only makes you hunger for more of it. Okay? Gives you a taste for something that only makes you hunger uh, for more of it. Again, I tell you that because it introduces our passage. At this point in Jesus' ministry, word has gotten out uh, about Jesus. And the people are becoming very, very interested in Him. In fact, large crowds are seeking out Jesus in order to be near Him, in order to hear Him, in order to rub shoulders with Him. In fact, if you were to go back to the beginning of John chapter 6, there you would see that Jesus has just miraculously fed over 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And as you might think, uh, this attracts even more attention to Jesus. Okay, And in much the same way, like turkey hunting for me, uh, or some sort of interest or hobby for you, um, this miracle, what Jesus has done in feeding all these people, it has left them wanting more. They, they've been given a taste of Jesus, and now they want more of, of this Jesus guy. And Jesus, immediately after He feeds the, the 5,000, He has withdrawn to have uh, some alone time with His disciples. But again, the people want to be near Him. And they're driven to seek Him nonetheless. Okay, And so that's where we're going to find Jesus now. The people are seeking to find Him because their, their hunger is really aroused by what He has been doing uh, in their midst. So let's look at John chapter 6. It's a long passage. Uh, John chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. And this is God's Word, and it's our rule for faith and for 
life. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on Him God the Father has set His seal. Then they said to Him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. So they said to Him, Then what sign do you do? that we may see and believe you. What what work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to Him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that He has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of My Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about Him because He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is, this not, Jesus the, is, this, is not this Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does He now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to Me unless the Father who sent Me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to Me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he was from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. That ends the reading of God's Word. Let's pray and ask His blessing on our time. Our Father in heaven, indeed, uh, we pray for your Spirit's presence now. The flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Then we pray for your Spirit's ministering to, to us now. Lord, we're reminded of the psalmist who says that those who delight in and meditate upon the Word, that they are like trees planted by streams of water. And so we pray, O Lord, that even now, Uh, that we would delight in and meditate upon this text and that You would indeed make us as trees planted by streams of water. Father, so bless us, we ask, for we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so the people have been hearing about Jesus and all that He has been doing. And most recently, He has uh, fed them, many, many, many of them, with very little. And now they've found Him. They've sought Him out. And they've found Him. And so a conversation begins. And from this conversation, 
I want us to ask uh, two questions, questions that essentially are going to form our outline uh, for our time in the Word today. Now, let's keep in mind, this is, a, this is a lot of text, and in 25 minutes here, I'm not going to be able to say everything about this text, but I think most of everything that's in this text is going to find itself coming under one of these two questions. We're, we're going to be sort of paring down this, uh, everything that's going on here into these two questions. And the first question I want to ask is this, why do the people seek Jesus? Okay, why do the people seek Jesus? Jesus answers that question. Look in verses 26, 27. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Okay, in a miraculous way, Jesus has uh, fed the people with bread. Bread being the very staple of their diet. If we were to sort of translate this into sort of modern church language, we would say here that you know, Jesus fed these people with five chicken casseroles and, and two trays of, like, of dinner rolls. Mrs., was it Mrs. Schubert's dinner rolls, okay? Uh, that's what Jesus has done here uh, for these people. Uh, you know, this is the, it's the staple of their diet. Bread is, okay? And while you would think... You would think that it would be the miracle that Jesus took these five loaves of bread and these two fish and, and was able to feed, feed many, many more people than could fit in this room. You would think that that would be the thing that would draw their attention to Jesus. But according to Jesus, it's not the miracle. The people seek Jesus because He fed them bread. Because He fed them. Now that, I don't know about you, but that strikes me as, as odd. Again, you'd expect it would be the miracle. But it wasn't the miracle. According to Jesus, it was the free lunch that moved this people to go find Him wherever He had gone. And Now that's odd until you realize something about these people. These people are what we would call materialists. Now, when I say that materialist, I don't mean the way that we often maybe use that term. We often use that term materialism or materialist to talk about people who love worldly possessions, people who are going out and, and seeking all sorts of expensive you know, clothes or cars or homes or, or properties, whatever it might be. But when I say that these people are materialists, actually I'm referring to the more, I guess, the classical sense of the term, in that these people believe that physical matter is the, is the real reality, is the, is the ultimate reality. The spiritual or the supernatural, that just wouldn't be something that would be on these people's radar. So as I'm defining it, materialists, as materialists, these people believe only in those things that they can, they can reach out and touch. Okay? And so they seek Jesus because of what they can touch and that He gave them. Bread. The miracle, that was something that was supernatural. They probably assumed that behind some curtain he had a lot more bread and a lot more fish and was able to feed these 5,000 people. But there was an element of faith to this supernatural idea. And they couldn't appreciate that at all. And so again, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, not because of the supernatural, 
but because of the materialist, because you ate your fill of the loaves. In other words, Jesus says you're seeking me because you're materialists at heart. You only believe what you can reach out and touch. You can only believe what fills your bellies. Chicken casserole and some dinner rolls. So it was the thought of more free lunches, the material that was drawing them to Jesus. And if you, if you doubt what Jesus is saying, even the questions that they ask brings us to this conclusion. Okay? Look at, uh, let's look at verses 28 through 30. Uh, verse 28, Then they said to Him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. So they said to Him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Now, I read that and I say, you know, what was it about feeding 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish that didn't do it for you? Okay? So, so between what Jesus says about them, what they themselves say in, in the questions that they ask, we see here uh, that the people seek Jesus because they believe that He is going to give them something material, something they can reach out and touch. Perhaps it's just more bread. Perhaps they see Jesus as someone who can end the Roman occupation. And if you have a Bible and you went back to the, toward the beginning of the chapter, verse 15, you'd see that that was actually on their minds as well. Maybe this is the guy that can end the Roman occupation. Okay, Whatever it is, uh, as they seek Jesus, all they see is the bread. And in the end, their, their materialism, their their conviction and only that which they can reach out and touch, it obscures the deeper reality about who Jesus is and why Jesus came to them. And that's going to lead us to the second question here in a moment. But before we do that, before we think about that second question, I want us to realize that we're, we are not very different from these people. We're a lot more like them than, than uh, you might think initially. We have just as much tendency to be materialist, caring about, caring about the things that we can reach out and touch more than the things in the spiritual realm. One way I think that this, uh, one way that we see this today is that we tend to mix uh, Christianity with the American dream. That we tend to believe that Jesus came to give us lives of comfort, to fill our bellies, to give us good health, to find us a job that, that gets us a, the biggest salary uh, possible, to prosper our investments so that we can retire you know, early to provide us with the cool friends in school, to give us the right clothes or maybe the right truck, to give us the perfect marriage while we live in the perfect patch of land, raising our perfect family in our perfect home. And so we tend to believe that Jesus has come to give us lives of comfort, lives of predictability, lives of safety, and we'll follow Him as long as Jesus does those things for us. But if he starts messing with those dreams in any sort of way, well, then we begin to doubt. 
But if you don't believe me, then why is it that when our comfort is threatened, or why is it that when in the last few years our 401ks have become 201ks, why do we immediately wonder, why are you doing this to me, God? What did I do to deserve this? If we're not as consumed with the things that we can reach out and touch, why is it that we expect our lives to be trouble-free when the Scriptures teach us quite the opposite? That to share in Christ's blessings means that we're also going to share in His sufferings as well. Sufferings that the the, the, uh, Scriptures promise are going to give us uh, or build up our faith. Take away the comfort that most of us enjoy. Take away that house or our personal safety or that dear friend and we'll learn something about our faith. We'll learn that our souls often aren't as satisfied with Jesus as we often think that they are. And so we realize again that we're not much different from the people that we read about uh, here in John chapter 6. You know, for me personally, I came to realize this a number of years ago. Uh, between the the death of a friend, a mutual friend of Justin's and mine, uh, between the death of that friend and then Justin mentioned that I was at Virginia Tech working with RUF and I was there when the shootings happened at Virginia Tech four and a half years ago. Uh, And when those two things happened nearly on top of one another, I really, it, it made me realize the expectations that I had placed on Jesus and what He came to give me. Because I didn't expect Him to give me those sorts of things for those sort of events to happen in my life. And I can assure you, He didn't come to insulate me. He didn't come to insulate you comfortably from the brokenness of this world. What He came to do is for us to find deep rest in Him. A rest that looks beyond this world and the things that we can reach out and touch. A rest that looks to Him through the eyes of faith. The sort of rest that the world promises in all sorts of ways but does not give, even as Justin talked about earlier with the confession of faith that we confessed. So we first ask this question again, why do the people seek Jesus? In, in short, they seek Him for material gain, for the, the holy chicken and, and the white picket fence. That's why they seek Him. But moving on now to the second question, why should the people seek Jesus? Why should they seek Jesus? And I think answering this question is really the key to understanding this entire passage. Why should the people seek Jesus? And of course, the answer relates to Jesus saying those very simple words, I am the bread of life. We should seek Jesus because He is the bread of life. He is the bread of life. Now what does it mean when He calls Himself the bread of life? Well, He means that He provides something of greater satisfaction than mere bread, than the mere material. Something much greater than mere material gain. He means that He offers the kind of sustenance that satisfies deep within our souls, not just our stomachs. He says in verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Reminds me of a passage in Isaiah chapter 
53. In fact, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be surprised in some ways if Jesus was half thinking of this passage when he, when he spoke what He spoke here in John 6. But in Isaiah 53, it says this, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. Here that your soul may live. Though they were using different words, Isaiah and Jesus are saying the very same thing. Why do you pursue with such energy the things that don't satisfy your soul, that don't satisfy you ultimately? but leave you only hungering for more. Pseudo-saviors is what Justin called it earlier. You know, come, they say, Isaiah and Jesus say, and instead believe and have something that fills even the belly of your soul. Or as Jesus says, uh, look at verses uh, 48 through the end of our, our reading. 48, uh, it says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. Okay? And they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. It's for this truth that Jesus wants people to seek Him. And not that He can give them a free lunch and to fulfill all of their dreams. You put it another way, and Justin was referencing this philosopher, Blaise Pascal, earlier. He said, There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the Creator, made known through Jesus. There's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing. Despite what we think, this God-shaped vacuum, this hole in our heart which each of us, um, that each of us have, it cannot be filled with cool friends or with the 300 acres of perfect hunting land for turkeys or, or uh, you know, a large 401k. It cannot be filled by the right clothes or a Ford F-250. It cannot be filled with any of these things. In this passage, Jesus teaches these people. He teaches us that our souls are needy of something much, much more. And He wants us to seek Him, believing that as the bread of life, He can fill our soul's void, the vacuum within us. Today, I want to ask you, do you know that void of which Jesus speaks? Do you feel that God-shaped vacuum within you? I bet some of you do. Favorite songwriter of mine, a guy by the name of David Wilcox, he describes this very void in this way. He says, if you let it get too quiet, there's a whisper in your bones. You can feel it more than hear it, but there's something close when you're alone. You turn up all the distractions, 
but the whisper still gets through and you don't know what it's asking, don't know what this calls for you to do. You don't have to hear. It's only a sound. It's only your soul that's crying out. It's only your soul that's crying out. He describes it as a whisper in your bones and it's your soul crying out. I wonder if you feel that, if you feel your soul crying out in some way. Jesus says, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life, Jesus says. Do you feel your soul hungering for such bread? This morning, do you feel your soul hungering for that bread? Jesus says, believe in Me. This is the work that you do. Believe in Me and have a life. Some of you uh, have heard of the Screwtape Letters before, C.S. Lewis's uh, work. And in, um, and in this work of fiction, um, Lewis imagines an older, more experienced, a more seasoned demon named Screwtape. Okay? And Screwtape is writing to his nephew, who is a rookie in the demon world. Uh, his name is Wormwood. And as Wormwood takes on the challenge of influencing a new Christian, so this young, sort of rookie demon is, is, is uh, taking on the challenge of trying to influence a Christian, a new Christian, Screwtape, the uncle, writes letters, passing down advice to his, uh, to his, his, um, his younger nephew, his, his nephew in the, in, the de- in the demon trade. So in one letter, Screwtape describes Wormwood, and he describes to Wormwood how he used materialism one time to influence one of his patients, as he calls them. Okay? So listen to this. He says, again, this is Screwtape writing to Wormwood, I once had a patient, a sound atheist, who used to read in the British Museum, and one day as he sat reading, I saw a train of thought in his mind beginning to go the wrong way, which of course means it's going the right way in our, in our view. Okay? I struck instantly at the part of the man which I had best under control and suggested that it was just about time he had some lunch. The enemy, which is God, keep in mind, uh, presumably made the counter-suggestion that this is more important than lunch. At least I think that must have been his line for when I said, quite. In fact, much too important to tackle at the end of a morning, the patient brightened up considerably. And by that time I added, much better come back after lunch and go into it with a fresh mind. He already, the patient was already halfway to the door. Once he was in the street, the battle was won. I showed him a newsboy shouting the midday paper and a number 73 bus going past. And before he reached the bottom of the steps, I had gotten to him an unalterable conviction that whatever odd ideas might come into a man's head when he was shut up alone with his books, a healthy dose of real life was enough to show him that all that sort of thing just couldn't be true. So at a time when this atheist began to contemplate spiritual matters of great importance, what does Screwtape do? He directs him to real life with the material. He gets him thinking about the material. Something that the patient could reach out and touch. And that was enough of a distraction for this, for this, uh, for this man. And this is exactly what John describes in our text. The bread becomes so important to the people 
that they couldn't see anything beyond it. It was the midday paper. It was the newsboy shouting the midday paper. It was the number 73 bus going by. The bread was. It, it became too important to them. And even though Jesus was right in front of them, even though the one who could fill the God-shaped vacuum of their hearts was right there for them to believe, even though His work testified that He was of more importance than, than a free lunch, they couldn't see it. They couldn't see it. Today, may you not fall into that same trap. May God give you ears to hear. Whether you're a Christian who struggles to disown the stuff of life, which is far too important to you, which is probably all of us, or you're a non-Christian who struggles to find meaning and satisfaction, Whichever you are this morning, may you not fall into the same trap as these people. Don't let what Screwtape called real life distract you. Jesus is the bread of life who has come down to feed the depths of your soul, to, to make repair that damage done by the fall that Justin referred to earlier. To be forgiven of our sins through Him and to find our relationship with God, that relationship to be repaired. The bread of life, He has come to feed the depths of your soul, to fill that God-shaped vacuum in your heart, if only you believe. Let's pray and ask God to give us hearts of faith this morning.